1: Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm your host, Connie Bowman, and yes, happiness is an inside job. I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but the beautiful British voice on the beginning of this podcast is one of my students, Liz Drury. And she came to me many years ago and asked me for some advice about becoming a voiceover student. And funny. <laughs> Her career has probably surpassed mine. I mean, she's just tearing it up uh, over in Britain, and she's got such a great voice. I'm not surprised. But anyway, shout out to Liz. Um, grateful that you did my intro to my podcast, and I love it. And so yeah, yeah, just in case you were curious. <laughs> How are you doing? We're in the time of change. As I go to record this podcast, uh Labor Day has just ended. And so we're heading heading into the fall season, just uh, that time of change when kids go back to school and moms and dads have a little more freedom. And um, yeah, so I like this conversation that we're going to have today with our guest because she has written some books for children. She's also written books, and she speaks for adults, and she's got so much wisdom about the subject of change. So I can't wait to talk to her about that. Um, But before we introduce her, I just want to say thank you to my podcast sponsor, Blue Planet Eyewear. I can't be more grateful for you. They are such a great company. They make these eco-friendly, sunglasses and readers and I have readers uh, almost every style of their readers by now because I need a lot of them and I like to have them in just about every room of my house and they've been gracious enough to uh, give us a little discount so if you go to their website uh, blueplaneteyewear.com and you use the code Connie20 you can get a nice happy healthy you visitor discount. So thank you so much for that Blue Planet eyewear. They do so much good around the world by providing vision care for people uh, through organizations like C International and Save the Children, and they're just wonderful. And I, I love to support companies that give back. So thank you, Blue Planet, and thank you guys. And now, without further ado... I'd like to bring in my guest for today, just because I think we're going to have the best conversation Ariane de Beauvoisin de bonvoisin Ariane de Bonvoisin, every time I listen to one of her uh, videos, people had a hard time <laughs> introducing her so i 'm going to ask her to repeat her name. Um, yeah, you can find her all over youtube she 's laughing in the background. you can find her all over youtube she 's done uh, she 's been everywhere literally she writes and coaches and speaks. On the issues of personal and professional change, happiness, which we love, and inspiration, entrepreneurship, women in the workplace, parenting, and mindful living. She is passionate about helping raise happy, conscious, healthy, and empowered kids. And she's appeared on so many TV and radio shows, including NBC's Today, CBS Early shows, CNN, ABC News, and she's uh, recently comp- completed a TED residency in New York, and her TED talk on life skills for young kids will be available soon. So, Arianne is—I'm—I'm I'm so excited to talk to her because I feel like we're soul sisters. We have so much in common. Welcome, Arianne. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
0: Thanks, Connie. Such a pleasure. And you actually did a great job with
1: my last name. So. Uh, you know, it sounded so, French. So, so, well, it, your mom's French, right? Didn't—didn't didn't I see that's that? Right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so mom's French.
1: The translated word is good neighbor. Yes, good neighbor. I thought when I first looked at your name, I thought, wow, that's appropriate. Bon voisin and voisin. I have done a little bit of French and I thought, oh, good vision. She's a visionary. Yes, it's perfect for her. But then I looked it up and it was neighbor and I, and I, that's my high school French. That's uh, just, just as good.
0: Vision, neighborhood. Okay. Uh,
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, I had such a good time looking at your, your YouTube videos where you talk about change because you were kind of the change guru. Um, and I love your nine principles of change. And um, yeah, there's so much rich information there. And and I love that you say um, change happens from the inside out. And as you heard yeah. me say earlier, my little tagline is happiness is an inside job. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah. I mean,
0: change, change is so fascinating, you know, because it's like everyone hates it. We don't want it. We don't think we're particularly good at it. But it's the number one thing that's guaranteed to happen. And we, we don't teach it in schools. You know, I have a kid who just started kindergarten today. We are want big change. And, you know, no one's going to be helping them with the actual change. So I taught him about his change muscle. And that every time he goes through a different change, that muscle gets stronger. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've been teaching this to grown-ups too, that we ha- we really are very good at change. But we have this, this fear of, you know, something new, which means the unknown, which means are we capable? What's going to happen? But all of that was important really by my own my own experience through change. I grew up in six countries. I went to a lot of schools. My parents got divorced. I You know, it was... Change eventually was so present for me, and I thought there must be ways of making change easier. Like, this is the human condition, and yet we are not learning from each other. Everyone's getting divorced over here in their corner. Everyone's trying to lose weight. Everyone's trying to, you know, start businesses. And I was like, Where, where's, the, where's the commonality? What are the principles of people who are good at change? Why is it that some people make a change, some people never do? So that was my very, very first foray into writing and speaking and and coaching and, you know, having given up a big, big career in New York City, it felt a lot more aligned with my inner job. You know, that was my inner job. And once I felt I had something to really offer, then I was ready to bring it to the world.
1: Yeah, I love your story. And we're not going to go into it too deeply today because we want to talk about your newest endeavor. But I just want to ask you, what's your son's name? His name is Everest, like the mountain. Everest, of course. Yeah. That sounds like a name. Okay, so um, how did he do today? So, you know, usually we find out actually day two of kindergarten, how, they, how they're how yeah. they going to do. But how was today?
0: You know what? I'm, I'm proud of him just because we recently moved from South Africa to New York City. We moved a year ago. So he's actually done three schools in two years. So this child has had to just, you know, find his courage, you know, I've been teaching him about breathing and that he can put himself in a bubble of light and he can always ask for help and use his voice. And like, so it's been more of an experience for me to give him some tools because I'm not around, right? I'm not that safe space for him or my husband. Um... But he was happy, you know, he kind of, like, I wouldn't say he pushed me out of the classroom, but there was like, yep, bye, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And about the fact that it's an emotional change journey for the parents as well. Everyone always asks, you know, how did the child do? And it's actually our own memories that we don't want to project on the child of how difficult some of those transitions were for us many years ago.
1: Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And I feel like we're dealing with our children so differently nowadays and my parents were just like buck up and deal with it, right? And now I do feel like we're we're taking a little bit of a different path and being a little more gentle with their emotions maybe, would you say?
0: I mean I, I can't speak for everyone. I'm very it's one of the life skills that I talked about in my TED Talk emotional skills and really allowing the full range of emotions in our children, so if they're scared, they're allowed to be really scared, if they're sad, they can cry for as long as they want even if they're angry, you know, the anger is okay, some of the behaviors that come with anger are not okay but it's sort of allowing them a space where that full range isn't sort of like tightened up, tightened up, tightened up and by the end of it, they're basically feeling three or four emotions, because that's where their life spirit is, that's you know, so much of the tantrums and things that we don't want from our ch- children are because of unexpressed emotion, or because of repressed emotion, or it's because of emotions they've never seen us as grown-ups have. And mm. so they feel something, and they go, "Uh oh." You know, I make sure he sees me when I'm upset, or he sees me when I'm not doing great, because it allows him to be human. Yeah. Right? And raising yeah. like little humans to me is much more important than just raising perfect children.
1: Oh, I love What's that you is. say that. Mm.
0: And are they going to be good and kind at of kindergarten? Like I, the, the humanity aspect of a child is nearly more important in terms of who they are allowed to be.
1: Mm. Yes, yes. And I think the idea, my husband, actually, you mentioned you traveled around and lived in so many different places as you were growing up. My husband was a military brat, as he calls it. I wouldn't call anybody a brat, but he calls himself that, so I'll say that. Yeah. And I think he developed a certain amount of resiliency for change just by having to uproot and uh, meet new people. And consequently, he's, he's such a, a friendly guy. Pretty much everybody likes him, and he can make friends wherever he goes. So there's a lot to be said for that.
0: I mean, the amazing thing, Connie, about change is, you know, most of the parents I know tend to unconsciously protect their kids from change. So they go to the same shop, same restaurant for Sunday lunch, and the same church, and the same holiday, and the same, you know, there's sort of like a... sort of this is going to keep my child comfortable and safe and it's sort of you're slightly doing a disservice to your child because once they go out into the bigger world when things are changing all the time suddenly you know as teenagers or grown-ups are like "Uh uh-oh something's changing something must be wrong or something or "I i actually don't know how to be with this so i'm we look for ways to actually bring in quite fun change. When we walk to school, sometimes I'm like, tell me what's changed in the neighbourhood, you know, or tell me what was different today at school, or you see, Mm. like, literally asking them to look for change. Mm. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, and one of the poems in the New Books is very specifically about change. It's one of the longest ones in there because you're seeing change through the eyes of a child, you know, cutting their hair as a child, putting on, you know, different clothes for school is, uh, is a change. Having a new sibling, losing a pet, you know, like changing homes. It's like, how, how does a child go through those changes? And most of the questions I get asked, you know, in my position is, I, I get that my child's going through change. How do I help my child with change? Because it's, it's so hard for us as parents
1: Yes, yes, I yeah, so, um I have to ask you this now, you spent so many years you're in corporate uh, America, and then you moved to this more um, more a career that was more in alignment with your soul, and now you're writing children's books, and i I love these books i I, I received them in my mailbox, and I open them up and I immediately smiled. And, well, the first book on the top of the pile was Giggles and Joy. So how can you not smile (laughs) at that? But tell me how you made this change, this transition, into writing children's books. You must have seen a need, or was it Everest that inspired?
0: (laughs) You know, I I think one of the things I pride myself on is being very in tune with my inner voice, because the times in my life where I haven't been have been so painful You know, I got engaged to the wrong guy. I've been in jobs that I knew were wrong for me. I've rented apartments that I knew weren't the right place. Like, I know what it's like to kind of not listen. And so I I was very sort of tuned inwards, which is, you know, what's what's here for me? What's next? Do Do I keep coaching? Do I keep doing talks for companies? Which I still do. But there was really a sense of wanting to sort of bring what I was, what I knew down to the little ones of a voice for them and for what they most needed to be integrated into the world. So even be a voice for parents. So, of course, I had a child. You know, I was moving into that transition. A lot of my, my peers were talking about parenting issues. And we have all the, you know, traditional kids' books, of course. And I also wanted to go, well, how, how do you teach a child self-kindness? Right? So, for example, we're all obsessed with having our kids be kind to the neighbor, to the postman, to the person in the restaurant. But what about self-kindness, like the the inner voice that they're developing towards themselves? How do you do that? How do you teach them really to be grateful? How do you teach them to breathe? How do you teach them to really love their body? Not, not, you know, and I, that I was not finding. And I thought, well, I can go read amazing parenting books, which I've done happy to talk about the ones I love but I wasn't finding it in words that children could take on it. I wasn't finding it in illustrations that children could be like fascinated by and so I, I sort of started playing with it and started going well if I were to come up with themes and life skills that I wanted to share and to raise conscious children you know children that have their spirit is alive not just their mind right you know like school's going to do a pretty good job with the mind but that their spirit is alive in the unknown like there's there's a sense of you're always shown one door if you have the courage to walk through that you will of course be shown the next door so the books the giggles and Joy books they launched three months ago so we're still we're still new but the response has been beautiful really yep. beautiful for the people who find them
1: they are beautiful and we should mention your illustrator ellie cross she, Cron, yes, yeah. she did it such a beautiful job. I love, and I I actually I want to have you read uh, your favorite uh, excerpt at the end of this podcast. But I just happened to uh, to open to a page that really reflects. I think you've talked about a lot of the values that you have expressed in your talks and um, in your teachings, and one of them was one of the uh, important um, the important things that can help us get through change, especially difficult change, is having an optimistic attitude. And you write about this in your poem, Life is Beautiful. And that's in the You Are Loved book. Can I just read the yeah. beginning of it? I think, I think it's yeah. so sweet. Life is beautiful. Life is hard. Life is magical and mad. Life is scary. Life makes you wary. And life is sometimes quite sad. Life is exciting. Life is surprising. Life is frivolous and fun. Life is quite quiet. Life's a big, noisy riot. And sometimes you get nothing done. <laughs> and that's just a little, that's just a beginning. It's...
0: Yeah. You know, and just to give, give children the experience of both, right? Which is so important because I feel like, you know, we don't live in an either or world. We're not going to raise kids who are either sweet or... Or strong. We need to raise kids who are sweet and strong, right? Who are kind and can use their voice. Who, you know, are emotional and can be well-behaved. So, it's it sort of, I wanted to show in that specific poem that, you know, both is acceptable. Both is what life is about. So, you know, love and heart and spirit and technology. You know, technology is not going away. It's the world our children are in. It's like, how, how do you
1: allow them to have a foot in both worlds? Yeah, yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, I also love that you tackle some of these um, spiritual subjects with really great inclusivity. Um, you have one about God. I don't have it open to, to that. But it you have that big sort of mandala or prayer, prayer flags, yeah. I think, with all the different religions. it It's not about which god you worship it's that whatever god you worship is fine or you know however you relate to god it's okay it's okay it's
0: been interesting that one because i've had friends who you know are raising their children with no specific religion no specific you know it's just not even talked about and a lot of the children like that one because it's not labeled because it's like you know it's can you see it in an animal? it in a tree? Can you see it in the river? Can you see it in your mum's eyes? It's just like if the child is allowed to kind of look inside, outside. There's a permission, right? There isn't a sort of telling the child. And with that said, I would also say I've had lots of parents with very strong family religious traditions, like Jewish faith, Catholic faith, Buddhist, whatever it is. who i said this book really do fit side by side next to any faith. They're not against them. They're not for them. They're just like, you know, a friendly hand that sort of allows the topic to be spoken about, because that's what's important, because whatever faith you're raising your children or not, they, they will come across friends who are and who are talking about things like prayer or temple or high holidays or Christmas or God, and it's like, how, how do you allow the conversation to be possible so that your child is equipped for that? Yeah. That's what I wanted to really do, and it's more, you know, it's, if your children could spend a few hours with the Dalai Lama or with, you know, Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, like, that's the spiritual experience I want children to feel, you know, is possible for them, which is more values and character-based than sort of person or personality-based.
1: Yeah, and you're not afraid to tackle the hard stuff. I mean, the, you know, children go through hard times and... Um... You know, like you mentioned, losing a pet. But I think there's something even um, more, uh, there's a lot of depression in, in our children and anxiety. And I think some of that is mirrored in the parents' lives. And, um, you know, you, you write about having a bad day and, you know, yeah. this too it's shall pass. Yeah. yeah, when when we do readings at school, there's one called Bye Bye Bad Day, mm-hmm. which
0: is just giggles and joy in the first book, mm-hmm. and it's an amazing thing, because, you know, I first start off by going, who's had a bad day here? And all the hands go up, and I go, okay, why was it a bad day? And it's such an amazing, insightful conversation to hear actually what makes a bad day for a child. You know, they didn't get what they want in their lunchbox, or, you know, my son said he saw a tree being cut in Central Park, and he was really, really angry, and that was a really bad day, and I was like, wow, you know, I would never have known that, that for him, that was bad, so I, I find a lot of these, the scenes, they allow sort of this insight into who your child is, which you might not necessarily have, or you wouldn't have the questions for, especially, you know, how was your day at school, Children very quickly get bored of that. When you sort of read a poem called Bye Bye Bad Day, some of your kid goes, I, actually, I had a bad day. Or, you know, my friend, you know, Jack had a bad day. And then the conversation about bad days is possible. And what I would say to any parents, grandparents, teachers, anyone listening to this is, please share your bad day with your child. First of all, they can see it. They can feel it. They can hear it. <laughs> so avoiding it. Is actually much more confusing for the child like they read personalities they read your face they read your emotions much more so than we think i will very quickly say my love i've had a bad day and i will tell him in language this is what happened it didn't happen so like he he gets it I, okay i got it and it allows him to go well bad days are going to happen i can have some too right I, I don't have to sweep them under a carpet
1: Yes. Suddenly
0: there's a conversation that's possible. Mom and dad might have a pet but you see, it's like normalizing things that are absolutely okay and part of life at any age.
1: Right. And uh, I don't think you have to give them all the details. You have to give them the age-appropriate <laughs> details, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was, uh, I've talked about this on the podcast, I guess, probably ad nauseum, but when um, my oldest daughter, Megan, was six. She died of a congenital heart issue. And I had a a three-year-old. It it was a while ago. I had a three-year-old, Caroline, um, and I was pregnant with another child. And uh, by God's grace, I had some really wise people around me who gave me books. And I don't know, I got some really great information about how to help Caroline through this You know, because she was grieving, too, even though she, you know, had a limited understanding about death. Um, And one of the, uh, I don't even remember who it was, but they said, you know, if you're crying, just tell her, uh, Mommy's sad, Mommy misses Megan, and explain it to her in those terms that she could understand so that you're not always having to run out of the room, because she knew very well what was going on. She could feel it in her body, I'm sure. She could sense it and she was going through her own thing, yeah, so... Uh, Of course, Uh, I'm
0: I'm right there with you. Like, you know, my my mother-in-law has been sick recently, and my husband's been out of the country for a long time, and, you know, there is a sharing of that conversation, absolutely, in ways where, you know, I would say, really, don't don't avoid... I'm a big believer in children being a lot more, you know, aware than we give them credit for, and the more we involve them... You know, in ways that we can, the more they feel part of it as opposed to excluded, the more they feel connected to us. And the more you're giving them that resiliency factor, too.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know, you mentioned that separation from parents, and a lot of parents are living. Uh, there's a lot of single mm-hmm. single parents raising children, and they're separated from their parents. Do you have any advice? Like, what would you read to uh, your child, if they were going through that, maybe soon to be separated for whatever reason, for, you know, if they were in the military or um, just living far away? What would you read to them?
0: I mean, the change one, of course, comes to mind. There's one on home, which is specifically about where home is and what is home, and is home about people, is home about four walls, is home on the inside, is home, you know, where where, where things don't change. Home is, a, home is a very open-ended one for children who are not necessarily rooted in one place or rooted with a specific person all the time. Um, you know, another one I would say is just about, um, I would say sort of the, the safety one because of mm-hmm. the roots, you know, whether at any age we really are looking, we're looking to feel loved, we're looking to feel safe. Looking for love, looking for safety, even when we go into work as grown-ups, right? We're looking for some sort of approval, recognition, please love me, please tell me I'm good enough, right? And am I safe? Uh, Is this going to continue? Is my work life safe? Is my professional financial life safe? Like, those never go away, and they, they start very, very young. So your child is kind of looking for the answer of, am I good enough, am I loved, am I safe, and, you know, usually it's, it's not a home that creates that. It's usually a person, and they can get that really from anyone. And so the You Are Safe poem, to me, was very important for my child because we moved around a lot. We had a lot of change. We had, you know, also some grieving in the family. But that, that, that there's, a, there's a safe space that is untouchable no matter what happens on the outside.
1: Mm. Um, that, mm-hmm. That's
0: an important one.
1: I love that, and I'm looking at the um, one of my favorite. Uh Covers is the being you cover because it has these all these animals and I too I didn't mention it but I also have a book coming out it's a children's book and it's all about imagination. Recently I was kind of like why did I why did this story come out of me because I kind of too just let it come through me and it's because I really value imagination in children and fostering that and the father in my story just fosters this imagination for uh, this little boy and it's I just. It was kind of funny, because I wrote it, and I'm like, I'm not sure yet exactly what it's about. But then at the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it's about. And that's why I care about it. so funny. And
0: it's, you know, the amazing thing about imagination is just, there's sometimes I just sort of, I'm present with my child, and I watch him. He doesn't even need me to do anything but i just look at the imagination of what he's seeing and doing and being and you know i credit him with giving me the courage to actually launch the book because i am i'm am not a writer of children's books i have never drawn anything in my life i've never thought of having to illustrate anything uh-huh. and it's the, the stretch that it was for me to go okay so i'm going to let's giggle and joy's one how like what, what characters am I going to do? And I sort of, I sat with it, and I sort of just had to be childlike. And I go, you know what? I'm going to do a picture of an elephant farting. <laughs> That is going to be really funny for children, right? Now, but do you see, it's like I had to get into a really non-serious place. And then I had this lion that was going to go to a birthday party with balloons and a tutu on. And it's just, you know, and then I had like a dolphin who really wanted to taste an ice cream. And then a penguin on a surfboard. And do you see, it was just, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, my husband would come home and I'd show him some of the designs. And he would like, like, you are cooked in a good way, like, (laughs) I had to sort of bring it down to, this is the way children want to see their world, they want to see it fun, playful, not serious, and I think for, for parents, like, I would not have described myself as fun, playful, not serious, before I had my child, life was pretty serious, I had a lot to get done, you know, I had not a particularly easy childhood, and performance, and work, and Academics And action, that was really important to me. And so I'm here to say that the, what, what children heal in us is that it's the playful, it's the imagination, it's the not serious, mom. It's not that big of a deal. You
1: know? oh, so true. Oh, it's Sarah so impressed. true. There's nothing better. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you one more question, then I'll let you pick your favorite um, passage to read. But um, I'm wondering about children who might feel that they stand out in a way that makes them feel different or, um, you know, awkward. You know, you talked about starting school and it's so difficult. And especially like, I don't know, as the children get a little bit older, they realize, you know, I'm different from this person, you know, for whatever reason. Um, is, there, is there something you can suggest we might read for that? that might yeah. help them so, too. Very
0: specifically, you know, I mean, we have just spent the last five years in South Africa where there are there's every color, race, religion, type, body shape, and it was very important for us to sort of, in some ways, however, to not see that, right? To just kind of see beyond it and not even notice it. I remember him doing an exercise at school where they were learning about what's the same and what's different, and they had to pick a friend, you know, and his friend was colored, black boy, black hair curly hair and you know he they basically had to say here's what's same and here's what's different and the amazing thing connie is neither child put that one person was white and the other person was black Hmm. and as adults it's the first thing i would said if i'd done that exercise well you're black and i'm white or you know they once said you have curly black hair and i have blonde hair but neither child in south africa saw that their skin color was different i was like that is extraordinarily beautiful that that was not seen
1: I feel like a child a childlike mind reads not uh, a physical the physical yeah. presentation it's more like we read each other's essence and that's yeah, the kind of world really. I want to live in I just want to yeah. like you know you look beautiful yeah but I see your essence I I see who yeah. you are yeah yeah
0: So that inspired a poem called Beautiful You which is about beauty in all different ways and there's mm-hmm. wishing one, two, three, there's like ten children across the page, so all different types, shapes, sizes, abilities, disabilities, colors, ages you know and it, it's interesting like I wouldn't say it's one of Everett's favorites probably because he's like yeah yeah mom I mean everything, you know, everyone's beautiful and I think the more they can hear that at age three, four, five, six, the more they have the tools as and when you know life's going to start telling them Actually, you're not that beautiful or, you know, you're not tall enough or because life does that and it, it shows up. I think the thing is not to protect them from life. It's to give them the foundation of what I would call the tool belt that, you know, they say that the most important thing is not your beauty. Right. And, then, you know, you will hear a five-year-old say that and that's what they need to be speaking, not the, not the parent saying that for them.
1: Yes. Yes, you know um, you live in New York City. My daughter is actually in the musical *Kinky Boots*. Have you seen that yet? Oh, wow. I haven't seen it in New York. I saw it in, in
0: London. I absolutely
1: love it. Yeah, it was it. based on the film from the UK, right? Um, so yeah. that is the whole premise of that musical. It's like you're beautiful no matter what. You're beautiful, whoever you are. So yeah, yeah, I absolutely. love that. So when you go when you go see it, stop back at the stage door and say hi to she Caroline. said <laughs> What's her name? Caroline. Caroline Bowman. Yep, same thing. So, now it's... it's You talk about favorite poems. Like, you know, Uh the truth poem,
0: for one, is is one that I love. The Take a Deep Breath is one that I love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's set in the context of school. It's set in a context where things are going crazy and mad, and books are falling, and some kids are shouting, and it's like, what do you do? Right? And so there's, there's pictures of dragons that are, you know, under thunder and they don't know what to do and you teach them to find their breath. You know, we do that a lot with them. <laughs> we, we teach them that, you know, his brain needs oxygen right now or the left side and the right side of his body are not friends and the best way to get them to be friends is to give them oxygen and to teach them the value of, of breathing. So, you know, that that's a big one. I'll, I'll read a bit of that one. It's, it's hard. My favorite one depends a little bit on what I'm going through or what I feel my son is going through. I can tell you most kids which one they love. They love the being sick one because it's all about aliens throwing up and having spots <laughs> and having to, like, take disgusting medicine in spaceships and like they love it they yeah. love it because of sort of the imagination and it's, it's a sweet one when your kid has a fever or has to go through something or a sibling has something going on because they've got a context for it but there's still some humor in it yeah. even though you address a difficult subject and
1: of course kids are going to get this. I love that one That's so good. Yeah. So, the illustrations you know, the are one great I would say,
0: the one that was most deep for me was probably the, the title one on being you which is about how you are loved no matter what, and love is not about performance. You know, it's we think being clever is the best thing to be. We think looking pretty is the best thing to see. We want to be fast, be strong, and jump high. But are these really the best goals to live our lives by? Some things you're good at, they're easy for you. Some things you struggle with, have no clue what to do. Your friends might be different, the opposite to you, but we all have our talents and our faults too. Being best in the class or coming top in a test doesn't always mean your life is the best. Being last in a race and never coming first doesn't mean as a person you're also the worst. There's much more to life than positions and grades. And as time goes by, their importance important to say you're loved by your parents however you score. But so don't think that high marks makes them love you more. You're loved not for what you do, but who you are that's the best part of you doing your best is what matters the most and so don't look at your friends to compare with both, you know, it's, that one continues on because it was it was an important one because I think so many of us, you know, as grown ups were raised very much with performance and, you mm-hmm. know, doing the right thing and fitting in and, and school as being sort of in first place mm-hmm. and what I want to do is sort of rebalance that and go of course it's important but there is something called, you know, and heart and and happy child, right? Not Mm -hmm. necessarily really good at school child because I was really good at school child and I was not happy child. Mm -hmm. And I was really good at corporate world child, adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was not happy adult, even though the world had told me that would be my happy ticket, Mm -hmm. right? And so this one was very important to me to lay a foundation of this is not what life is about. It is not about the school test and the college and the fitting in and getting the job and doing what's expected of you in life. Mm. That does not equal happiness. It's great. It'll help you in this world, but that isn't the source of happiness. You know, so many parents that I've coached one-on-one, you know, my message to them is you, I would say what's most important to you, what you most want for your children, you know, nine out of ten of them, say, I want my kids to be happy. And if I have permission, we have a very honest conversation about, well, what, what is being done on the happiness side of, at home? You know, because it's not being done at school. Like, really. Mm. And the biggest mirror they have is their parents. So right. all the research, the Harvard research, parenting research shows for your child to be happy, the most important thing is for each parent to be happy. Mm. Not together, necessarily. Right. Each parent. So I always, I always check in with a mom and I go, how are you, like, how happy are you? That how happy are you because that is what allows and creates and benefits happy child and you know what it's so much harder for the parents oh shoot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i wanted some parenting advice right i don't want someone to go well how happy are you mom right. and i say that in such a loving way because it's it's you know we're tired we're exhausted and it's partly because we're not in the sort of focus on ourselves being happy i'm very bold with my child i'm like mom, I I need some time, I need to speak to a friend, or I need to go do this, or, you know, it's it's important for them to see that we also have a life. You know, in Europe, children are not in first place. They come along, we're happy to have them, they're not in first place, and they do not take over your life. You had a life, you continue to have a life.
1: Mm-hmm. Really important. Really important. And I, I feel like Ariane, you are, <laughs> this is a little subversive, but I can just imagine a parent laying in bed, my kids are too old, daggone it. I don't know if my 27 uh, year old son will let me do this. But laying in bed, reading these books and just breathing deeply and relaxing and listening to those words.
0: Yeah, what's sweet is that older siblings sometimes read them to the younger kids, and they love it because they feel they're a little bit in sort of like a parenting role. Mm -hmm. But it's such a sort of sweet way. And Mm -hmm. when the kids can start reading it themselves, it's very, it's just amazing to see which ones they go for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I say to parents, you know, get the whole series, of course. You know, they're available as a gift set.
1: Theme for the week. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I might even steal one for a yoga class. Yeah. <laughs> the breathe the breath poem is yeah. great. That's great for that. Well yeah. the books are Giggles and Joy, the three books, Giggles and Joy Spiritual Life Lessons for Kids, and then there's Being You and You Are Loved. And they're all great lessons and poetry and the illustrations are beautiful. So congratulations. Thank you so much, Ariane. I, I oh, just thank you. This is such a gift to the world, to the children. I, don't, I have never seen anything like it out there, so I, I'm sure. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's new.
0: I'm, you know, I'm excited about having these types of conversations because I feel we spent so much time focusing on their minds and their bodies, and everyone's shied away a little bit from actually honoring the heart space of a child, the soul mm-hmm. of a child, the spirit of a child, and I, I want to be bold like that we need to focus on what's below their neck you know mm. they need to know that they have a body they have a spirit they have joy they have emotions this is where they are going to find sort of in some ways their passion yeah. um so it's yeah i appreciate you allowing me to just be as passionate as i can about these and getting them you know we for anyone who can't afford them whether it's you know i i've, I've sent hundreds of books to teachers just because I, I want them to have the resource and have it be available, community centers and so yeah, it's uh, I feel very much, even though I continue to my work with grown ups, that I, I want this to, you know, be transformational and the little ones need our attention and you see what's happening with, you know, the preteens and the teens and the young adults and all the research says that, you know, by age six that their dominant conscious and subconscious programs of who they are and their character are formed. Mm-hmm. So I say to parents, you know, these the books are from birth to sort of age seven. Those
1: are the Sometimes years. a little bit older, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, because mm-hmm. that this is the time where the imprinting is happening. This is yeah. where they need to hear repeated over
1: and over. Very, very good. I'm so glad you wrote these books and I can't wait to share them with everyone. Give us all your information where we, we can find the books and then more information about you. Of course. So the, the books are, of course, available on Amazon. There's
0: individual books if you want to try one out or look for specific themes. There are gift sets. The gift set's on sale. they are beautiful um, presents to give whether it's baby showers or birthday presents. I had one friend buy 30 books just as birthday presents. She's like, I'm just, you know... Every morning before I have to go to a birthday party, I'm rushing to the toy shop and buying anything. So that's just a lovely little thing to give. Um, the website for the books, if you want information from uh, parents and the experts that have endorsed them, we have uh, Dr. Shafali who's Oprah's parenting expert, who said she loved these books, and of course they need to be in every child's hand and teacher's hand. That website is Giggles and Joy. And then my personal website, if you want to keep in touch with me or have a question or need coaching or you want to just know where I'm speaking, that is arianestudio.com. That's A-R-I-A-N-E studio.com. And one thing that's coming in the next few months, in addition to the TED Talk, is I am working on a course um, for parents Specifically, well, how do I teach self-kindness? How do I teach intuition? How do I teach, you know, some of the skills? How do I help my child tell the truth? Um, how do we teach compassion and empathy? And that's going to be some audio and video. It's more targeted for parents, teachers, but also, you know, caregivers, nannies, anyone who, you know, has the privilege of, of watching and being
1: with mm, your child. Beautiful. Because the world will soon teach it out of you, all those things all that yep. self compassion yep. kindness love intuition yeah so beautiful thank you arian i wish Thanks. you so much luck tomorrow with everest <laughs> day 2 Aww. in my experience yeah. day 2 of kindergarten was always that's, more challenging <laughs> but that's
0: the day you know i think for for, for you know, I think for me and my husband this morning, like, we really just checked in on our own state so that nothing was felt or projected onto him. Like, my husband had a hard time being dropped off at school, I really asked him to do some cleaning up work, where that was not even energetically a possibility. <laughs> because Everest, Everest has his own life, and, you know, we go into the fear of, you uh, know, what and if, and, and to also just fully trust, to trust him, to trust life. To trust in the other kids, to trust in the teachers. Like do you see there's a trusting environment and children need to know not that you trust them, right? right? And you trust the whole environment and situation and life that is around them. You know, we live in New York City and there's a you can either trust New York to be a good, wonderful place to live, or you can live in the uh oh, you know, it's New York. Right. And clearly I'm we're in the first category. Um, and so just Yeah, it's it's a lot about the positivity, imagining the best. Whatever happens, it's welcome.
1: Yes, welcome. What is and and also I think one of the hardest things for me to learn and my parents, my parents, my children, and my (laughs) parents—that was a Freudian slip—is that they have their own dharma, they have their own life path, and um, we have to allow that to be there and trust. Like you said, just trust that. And you can't
0: remove growth and you can't remove the hard days and you can't remove the friend who's going to say something mean to him or her and that will shape them and you know you have a chance to sort of encourage and sort of support them through that but we don't want to steal those opportunities from them and you know that's that that is what they're here to be and learn
1: yeah good way to leave it thank you so much Ariane. i'm gonna take my giggles and joy and (laughs) that's what we need right more giggles more joy for the (laughs) grown-ups giggles and joy i love it all right well you have a wonderful day and um and thank you i I, i'm just so grateful for these (laughs) books